Well, church, this is the first Sunday in Lent, and we are launching off into our series called Aware, Knowing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be about. We pray for a discovery of a deeper awareness of God's presence with you during these, um, uh, these six Sundays leading up to Easter. Man, what a rich time to be the church together, even with all of the difficulties that we're facing. We are experiencing um, God's blessing, God's love in all of this. It's so great. So good to see you all. Good to be together. Um, that idea of being aware, there's a, there's a concept um, that uh, we got from the uh, fourth century Celtic Christians. So this is a long time ago, and it's called the Thin Places. And they got it from their pagan ancestors, and they adopted it to their uh, faith in Jesus. But it was this idea that... Um, um, there are places and moments in life where our sense of the sacred is more pronounced, that, that the space between the transcendent and the commonplace has grown narrow. You know, for, sort of for our language, that, that God feels nearer than every other moment. This idea of the thin places um, where our, our, the, the, the distance um, between the spiritual and the physical um, has grown really thin. I love that idea. I think many of us could relate to it that we've experienced those thin places. They're often in, in sort of a traditionally sacred places. They may be in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was in Assisi and I was sitting in a chapel in the Basilica di Santa Carina. Uh, yeah, how do you say it? Yeah, St. Clair. Anyway, St. Clair's Basilica. And there is the cross on the wall from the 13th century where St. Francis, um, he had been sitting before it um, and he heard the Lord call him into his ministry. And his call into ministry was about repairing the church bringing health to the church. And he had, in the moment had been in this rubble of a, of a, um, of a chapel, uh, the Damiano Chapel. And he thought that meant come fix the building, like repair the, the place. But as he came to find out later throughout that 13th century, when he was in the midst of his ministry, it was about bringing life and health to Jesus's people. Oh, come on now. I'm sitting in this chapel and I'm reading about this story and I'm looking at this seven, 800 year old cross and I'm overwhelmed with the presence of God who said to me, that's your ministry too. That's my call on your life. That moment, I mean, there was a thunderstorm outside. We had lost power. Jens Hoy is sitting across from me next to a, a three foot tall a nun. And, you know, Jens is about eight feet tall. And so the two of them, he couldn't get out of his robe because, to go. Like there was all kinds of other things going on. But the silence that kind of came around the holiness of that moment for me, right? Well, the incredible news though, church, is that you don't have to be in Italy in a sacred place for that to happen. I mean, I had this thin place experience on Ash Wednesday at our service. In fact, I had a thin place experience in the rehearsal for our Ash Wednesday service where the presence of God was so near and his truth so clear and his love so visceral to me. I had, an, I had a, a thin place experience on the chairlift the next day when I took my Sabbath on Thursday and went skiing and knew the presence of God for me in that moment. I had a thin place on Friday when I was with my friend Alex and we talked about life at its deepest places. 
See, that's the amazing thing about this. Our invitation during this series is going to be that we're going to be able to experience an awareness of God's presence in our everyday, in the ins and outs of everyday, more and more in all the ways, really walking with God. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to be engaged with God more and more every day. This walking with God is a privilege that we've been given and we are aware that he is always with us. So let's be more aware of it. The psalmist said that, uh, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer of course was nowhere. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. On and on and on, the psalmist reflects, I can't get away from you, God. Well, church, we want to talk about being more aware of God's presence. And so we're going to look at two biblical, sort of foundational biblical principles as we consider this idea and we go into the, um, the Lenten um, sermon series on being aware of God's presence. So two foundational principles as we talk more about this. Ready? Here we go. And I'm going to call you into your Bibles a little bit too. So get ready to, to get some study time in in the next 15 minutes and 41 seconds. Okay. Number one. First foundational principle in the scriptures, it teaches God longs for you to know his presence. This is something that God wants. God wants us to know that he is present. God wants us to know that his presence with us is a significant part of life. Like it's not that he's way out there somewhere and we certainly ought to live some a decent life and, 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 and then someday we'll die and be with God. No, he's with us now. There's this really incredible story in Exodus that comes after the Israelites had been set free from slavery in Egypt. They had crossed over uh, into the, the, um, the desert and the wilderness, and they had just gotten the Ten Commandments, all those kinds of things. And then people were like not sure if God was still with them because they struggled with um, not having enough food and water. And then they struggled with Moses being gone for a long time because he went up on the mountain to talk to God. And they just wondered if they were all alone. Does that, does that resonate with anybody's experience? Wondering, am I just out here all alone in the desert? And so they misbehaved at all kinds of shenanigans with a, with a golden calf. And then Moses came back and he had this conversation with God about, um, about what his ministry was and about what was supposed to be happening with the people of God. And in Exodus 33, um, in verse um, 13 or 12 or so, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me that, to lead my people. This is fascinating. Moses he, call, he says back to God, listen, you've been telling me to basically to go out there for you, to live for you, to lead your people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. This is what Moses said. You haven't told me who's going to go with me. You've said to me, Moses acknowledges, you've said to me, I know you by name and have found faith and you have found favor with me. So he's like, I, you know me, God, you said, you know me. And, and I found favor with you. But then he goes on to say, but if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this nation is your people. So he's, so here's Moses crying out, look at, I want to live for you. I want to do this radical thing of being, of moving on to a promised land and being your people and doing all the stuff that, that, that looks like you, this is going to be your plan. But he goes, but I can't do this alone. And Moses says in the next verse, in verse 14, Moses, I mean, God says, the Lord replied, my presence 
will go with you and I'll give you rest. I love that. He doesn't say, I'm going to go with you. He doesn't say, I'm going to send an angel with you. He says, my presence will go with you. I will be present in your journey and look at the result. And that's going to give you rest. That's that life and that peace and that, that sense, that well-being that we were designed to have comes from what church? The presence of God. Gosh, that sounds so much like the text that we studied in, in uh, Ephesians chapter three, that I pray that I have his glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power by his spirit, where? In your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love will have power together with all the Lord's holy people to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the thing. That's, and I, it might be the first time I got that right, by the way. No notes. No, working without a net, people, right here. That he has found favor with us. He delights in us. And he goes, and my presence will be with you. Gosh. You see, that's the good news. The hard side of it is, that our brokenness and our sin creates a distance from God's presence. There's this terrifying verse to me way back at the beginning of the story, Genesis chapter three. I have it on the screen for you to look at that after the fall, after Adam and Eve sinned, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They hid themselves from his presence. That's what sin does. And so as we hide ourselves from the presence of God, then God seems further and further away. And then the more we sin and go away from God, the further away God seems. Jesus came to arrest that cycle, by the way. The Holy Spirit came to make us aware of his presence. But his presence is what we long for. In that text, the next verse, I don't have it on the screen, but the next verse, when they hid themselves from the presence of God, the Lord God came and he said this, where are you? He knew where they were. He's the sovereign God. He was their creator. They're in the garden. He goes, where are you? Like, what are you, what are you doing living out there? You can be in my presence is God's call. So church, just on this first foundational biblical principle that the Lord longs for his presence to be with us, for us to know his presence. I just want to ask halfway through this sermon, where are you? Is it time for you to turn back around and engage with the presence of God, which is what he is longing for you to have? That this season of Lent could be a time, a season of restoration for your relationship. That sin after brokenness, after shame, after, after forgiveness, after embarrassment, after sin, after shame, after distance, after hiding from God's presence, it would be time during Lent to say, God, I long to be in your presence like Moses. Don't send me out from this house one more day, unless you go with me. I'm designed to walk with you, for you to be present, for each day to be a thin place, for each place that I find myself in to be a place filled with your presence. And maybe this is the sermon for you and this is the moment for you. This is the point for you. This is why God had you 
sign on to, to Facebook Live or Zoom this morning, that you hear God saying, where, where are you? Come and be in my presence. Let that moment, in that moment, engage with your great Savior and turn around. And now how do we become more aware? Let's keep going. So that's the first foundational principle that God longs for you to know his presence. And the second foundational principle is that it's the Holy Spirit who connects us to the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that actually then, because we have the Holy Spirit, we're able to engage with the deep things of God, with God himself, with his truth, with his speaking to us, that, that this awareness we're talking about, the Holy Spirit is the agent of that. Romans 8 says this, listen, I'll read one verse and then the one will come on the screen. Verse 8, 15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit, our connection to God is not about being these, these uh, um, cowering slaves, servants who live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that's a legal term. That's why it's, it's a, a, it doesn't say sonship and daughtership. It's a legal term. It means that you are in, in Roman society, that you are legally in the family. The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that spirit, we cry, Abba, dad, father. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now look at the theology in there. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. The Holy Spirit connects with our human spirit and says, no, this is your identity. You're the children of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who connects us to the deep things of God. Remember this concept of the Holy Spirit, that when we say yes to the gift of Jesus, when we have said, uh, accepted the free gift that Jesus' death on the cross provided restoration for us into a relationship with God that we were designed to have. When we say yes to that gift, that's the moment we become a Christian or are born again. And in that moment, the scriptures teaches, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God's indwelling in us. So now his presence not only is near us, with us on the journey, his presence is in us, testifying to our spirit, connecting us to the deep things of God, engaging us with truth, leading us into God's will. All of that, inspiring us, loving us, all of those things happen by his Holy Spirit who indwells us. So we have the presence of Christ revealing the deep, things of God, the Holy Spirit revealing all of this to us within us. So we're not left to our own devices to figure it out. You know, I'm going to give you homework. I got a hundred bucks for anybody who does this at home. Just write me a note. I'll send you a check. First Corinthians chapter two. I want you to study the middle of that passage and go ahead and turn to it. I want to look at a couple of quick verses before we're done in first Corinthians chapter two. But it's starting in verse six is where we'll study it. But I just want to make uh, uh, point out a couple of things a little bit later in the passage. This is where Paul in verse six, he begins to talk about how he is um, speaking a message to these Corinthians. 
And uh, he says, listen, this is a message of wisdom. And it's a, it's a message to the mature, those of you who are spiritually born again. He goes, it's not a wisdom of this age or, or, the, or the people of the age, the rulers of this age. That's uh, not their wisdom. No, this, he says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. He's saying, there's a mystery out there. And this is what we speak about right now. God destined it for our glory from the beginning. This is part of his plan of salvation. He goes, but none of the rulers of this age, nobody today without God's spirit, he goes, they don't, they may be rule in the roost, but if they don't have the spirit, they don't understand this because there's some spiritual connection that we have with God that is completely unique. It goes on. Now look at this verse. I'll put this, this on the screen. Verse nine. He says, however, he goes, listen to this. He goes, the world doesn't have this, but it's, this is what's written. No ear, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these things, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. Now, I know that's a lot of words. You're gonna have to go back and study it. That's why I'm giving you hundred bucks. But listen, here's what he's saying. He goes, look at the wisdom that we have, the truth that we have about Jesus. He goes, this stuff, we say to ourselves, Man, nobody conceive of it. No eye has seen it. No ear has heard. No mind can conceive of these things. He goes, but these are the things that the spirit gives us. Don't miss that. You may be tempted to go, no, no, nobody can know God. He goes, but actually the spirit gives us these truths. The spirit connects us to the deepest things of God. He goes on to keep talking about the spirit and uh, you got to go study it. But at the, near the end of his whole passage about it saying, listen, the person without the spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the spirit of God. They're foolishness to them because they're spiritually discerned, but you get those things because you're spiritually filled. The person with the spirit, verse 15, you see it at the bottom there, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. In other words, you, you had all kind of wisdom because you've got the spirit in you. And then he ends that topic by saying a kind of familiar quotation. It's like, you know, everybody says this and it's from, it's from Isaiah chapter 40. Who has known, look at this verse, verse 16, put that up for me, would you Mark? Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? This is the prophet warning his people like, who's known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Like, be careful people. But Paul turns that on its head and as he talks to the Corinthians church and he goes, we do. We do. We have the mind of Christ. In verse 10 of that passage, he says, these things that nobody can conceive of, they've been revealed to us by his spirit. And in verse 16, he says, who can know the mind of God? He goes, we can. We have the mind of Christ. Is that crazy talk? When we become more and more and more aware of God's presence, we end up being able to know the deepest truth, life, blessing, because we're connected to his spirit within us. So as we conclude, listen, we have to ask the question, why is being aware of God's presence so important? Why is it that we would, be pushing you guys to go, we got to become more aware. Well, it's that very thing that I just said, because if we know the presence of God, if we're aware of it, then we're going to be, as 1 Corinthians 3 said, we're going to be filled with the, to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
If we know the presence of God, then we're gonna be engaging fully with the life that God has offered us. Anything short of this, we're missing what he has given us, what he has set out for us. It's, it's sort of like us saying, look at, it, it's like saying God works in mysterious ways. And that's a, that's a line in a sort of a famous hymn from 17 something or other. God works in mysterious ways. And it's supposed to like, we're supposed to, and I agree, we should be really like, whoa, man, God's just infinite in his wisdom. But God working in his mysterious ways makes us just check out and go, I don't know, there's no way to know. But I'm telling you, it says we have the mind of Christ and the spirit is within us. And so this promise that being aware of God's presence says that we're going to be filled with all of what God wants to give us. Here's a couple of things he's going to want to give us in that. He's going to want to let us know we're going to want to, we're going to be able to see the beauty and the goodness of the Savior in every moment we're in. Good, bad, neutral. Only God's people filled with his spirit can go, oh, but God's in this. And my soul is pierced even in pain or grief or confusion. But the presence of Jesus is with me. And in that, there's a beauty. We're the people that can see the beauty of life unfolding in front of us as we go, oh, I see how God's in the middle of all this. We're going to know the good news that Jesus is present in every moment. That's one of the reasons why we're going to become more and more aware of God's presence. It's that we'll just know it. We'll know that. We're also going to be more rooted and established in his love. Does that text sound familiar to you? That if we're aware of his presence, we're always aware, rooted, that he loves us. And so every moment of our day is such a thin place because it's a moment where we're deeply delighted in by God. And that changes everything because there's no more sin. A shame, excuse me, and no more condemnation for our sin. We're also going to be able to acknowledge when we acknowledge his presence that we're going to acknowledge that we're not alone. And that changes everything because that's the core wound in each of us that maybe I'm out here in the desert alone. But if we're aware of his presence, we realize, oh no, no, no. If we're aware of the spirit within us, we're like, no, he's with me here. And then being, being aware of God's presence is so important because then we're going to be aligned to pray, to act, to not act, to desist in alignment with God's, in accordance with God's will because his spirit is convicting, leading. And so every step we take toward more awareness of God's presence in us, we have more life as he's designed it to be. And that's our journey to be on together, to figure out, okay, how can I be more aware? This is our invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. What a great invitation to use our senses. And I love the words taste and see, and we're actually gonna use the five senses as a way to even begin to talk about it, both physically and metaphorically. How do we taste and see and hear and touch, smell the fragrance of the presence of the spirit in every day life. That's our invitation. So as we conclude this morning, I just want to ask like, how might we become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Just sort of as an application here, how might we become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit? It's a couple of quick 
thoughts. Maybe try this. And I think we're going to ask you during Lent, this language might be familiar from last year and the year before. We'll just, we'll say, maybe try this this week as part of your Lenten journey. Maybe try this this week, you guys, of becoming more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Maybe try having a quiet time of some sort where you sit with God without moving and without your phone and rest with him. Just start there and any kind of a quiet time. Jump in with us in the reading plan if you'd like. We're doing a Lenten reading plan. Um, It's on our weekly announcements and you can read the text together and hear other people's reflections. But it's an action every day where we become engaged in the awareness of, okay, here's God's word. What's God saying to me? Where's God? Is he present in this moment? So any kind of a quiet time, maybe jump in on the reading plan. Maybe jump in on the prayer experiment that we have. You may not know that that's there. That's under, on our Sunday page on our website. I went on my phone on the, on the mobile app trying to find it and I couldn't access it. I didn't know where it was. We'll try to make it more accessible to you. Ben, maybe you can put a link in there. But that's on our Sunday page where you can go and see this, uh, 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 an experiment in, in prayer exercises for the month of February. Jump in and see that. And there's one in particular that you may want to try. And it's this one that you set an alarm one day a week during Lent, maybe. Um, Some of us that are working through this together are doing this on Fridays that you set an alarm for every, I'm sorry, Mondays, you set an alarm for every hour on the hour. And what happens is when the alarm goes off, you pause and you recognize his presence is going with me right now in what I'm facing. This very moment. Sometimes that alarm goes off in the middle of a meeting at work. Sometimes that alarm goes off at lying in the store. Sometimes that alarm goes off when you're in the car. Sometimes that alarm goes off when you're daydreaming. But in this, right here, this, ready? This moment is a thin place where the sacred has drawn really near because his presence is with us. Oh, that's our journey to find ways to be more aware of his presence. So let's even start now as we come to a conclusion this morning by just inviting, welcoming the Holy Spirit. Welcoming the Holy Spirit to make himself known to us in this very moment, letting the Spirit know that that's where we find life and that's what we long for. And so the longing of God to be present with us and our longing to be present with God meet together as our hearts and our souls cry out to him. Let's worship together.